front. Good morning to you. There's some, some seats at the front for those who uh, would like to take advantage of a, a front seat view of everything going on. That would be great. Very warm welcome to you all. My name is Joe Vickery. It's a real privilege to be able to worship and gather together today on this uh, special Sunday of celebration, a day of resurrection, a day when we can rejoice in God's presence with us and give thanks for all the goodness that we are blessed with. Let's stand together. We want to worship God this morning in a way that reminds us that the, the Spirit of God is enabling us to know the, the, the presence of God and the light of his presence. And in a moment we're going to sing a song that celebrates the light of God's presence with us. We're going to begin with some words that come from the Church of England's morning worship liturgy. They're very powerful words. And they remind us that what we've been through during the night leads into the new day that lays open before us. So let's be still for a moment. Let's be remembering all the things that have happened. Maybe you've slept really well. Maybe you've had a restless night. Maybe you've got lots of anxiety about this coming week. Maybe you feel at peace and thankful for all that's good in your life. But we remember today that the night has passed and the day lies open before us. So in the silence, let us pray with one heart and mind and just maybe close our eyes and give thanks for what might be lying ahead this morning, throughout this day. Perhaps one thing that we can be thankful for, that we will be doing, people will be seeing opportunities that we have. Thank you, Lord. And we say together, as we rejoice in the gift of this new day, so may the light of your presence, O God, set our hearts on fire with love for you, Amen. So we're going to sing an old song. <laughs> it's a song that celebrates the fact that Jesus is shining among us. Let's use our flags, if you've got them there, if you want to use some instruments to join in the percussion section of this and really celebrate using one of the great songs of the last 20, 30 years.
praise you that you are worthy of all our praise, all our thanks, because you are light among us. And we pray that this world in which we live may be lit up by the light of your love. We pray that today, as we seek to come before you, that we might be inspired afresh, that you would indeed set our hearts on fire with love for you, and that we might make a difference wherever we are, wherever you place us and call us to be this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please sit down. Thank you, everybody who participated in so many different ways during that song. It's a great start to our service. We are so thankful that we are able to come before God, who not only is the light of the world, but calls us the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And he said, let your light shine so that other people may see what you do that's really good and give glory to your Father in heaven. That people might say how great God is because of the way you live and the way I live. What a privilege it is to be a worshipper of God and a disciple of Jesus Christ who is bearing something of that light in the world. And the theme of our service today is about being a disciple where we are, where God has placed us, to be like salt and like light in the world. Because we are God's church. And we're seeking to explore in this series how we can become more like Jesus so that we can become more fully who we are, that is, followers of Jesus and bearers of his light and his life. Now, you are all, and I am, wearing these wonderful red dots. Has anybody not got a red dot? That's brilliant. Well done. And for those of you who are perhaps new to red dots, this might be a bit of a a mystery. Why are we doing this? Well, the red dots signify something about a person who is a a full-time Christian worker who are, at this time, we're gathered together, like in in that diagram, we're gathered together to worship God and to learn and to grow in fellowship and understanding of his calling for us. But when we leave this place, we're going to be in a different situation. We're out in the world, wherever God has placed us, and we are a scattered church. But we are still church, whether we're gathered or whether we're scattered. We're both gathered together on worship, in worship, and we're scattered all over the places wherever God has called us to be. So where is it that you are going to be when you move on from this place? Would anyone just like to tell me where, where will you be spending most of your time this week? Or where will you be tomorrow? Where do you spend lots of time with other people? Yeah, Abby? At school. At school. That's one of the things for the, most of for the children, you're going to be at school. What about any of the adults, uh, any of the places that you'll be? Littleton Well, great. That's a good place to be. And then anyone else? Work. At work. Where's your work? Worcester. Pardon? In Worcester. In Worcester. And what do you do? Um, I run the university library. Okay, fantastic. That's great. So there's lots of places where we are. No matter where we are, God 
has, in a sense, placed us there for a particular reason. And he wants us to celebrate that. We call it being on our front line. It's a familiar phrase for many people, but if you're fairly new to this, it'll be an opportunity to reflect that our front line is the places where God has placed us. We have a unique purpose there, and it's a purpose to be his people where we are. What about, therefore, if we use these red dots, and instead of throwing them away when we got home and peeling them out, I hope they come off our clothes, do they? (laughs) But I think they do. But rather than just putting them in the bin, why don't you think about putting them on something that you will be using or taking with you next into this new week? It might be that you put it on your lunchbox when you go to school. It might be that you uh, put it on your laptop when you're working at home. Put it on your wallet or in your wallet or on your wellies if you're going out for a long walk. Or maybe on your phone. I'm told that uh, before lockdown, Dave, our rector, put his red dot on his phone. He didn't take it off for about a year. And it was a great reminder that he was a person, a disciple of Jesus, wherever that phone went, wherever he was. So why don't you think about doing that and not just throwing them away? It's a reminder that a Christ follower is a disciple of Jesus wherever they are at all of the times. That's who we are. That is who we are. An invitation that Jesus gives us to simply be who we are. And that's a pretty cool thing, isn't it? To be who we are. Not to be trying to be something somebody else or somebody different, but just to rejoice in the fact that we are who we are. Whatever age we are, whatever stage of life we're in. And our children and young people are going to shortly go to your different groups. And, but as, and as, as soon as all of us will be going back to our homes, or we might be going out into the hills, or to visit family and friends. But Jesus calls us to go, as his disciples, to our front lines. And you know, one of the great blessings that Jesus gives us, when we go on to those places that he's called us to be, he gives us the blessing of peace. We'll hear in our readings how Jesus invited his disciples to speak peace to the people that he was with, that they were with, and when they went to houses to Say, peace be to this house, to this family. And so in a moment, we're going to turn to each other and say, peace be with you. It's a gift that God wants to give to every one of us. Is that inner sense of, oh, you know, everything's okay. Because God in Jesus is with us. But before you do that, I'd like us all to be able to turn to each other in a moment, and ask each other, where will you be tomorrow? Where is your front line? Where, what will the things you'll be doing tomorrow that are so special? And when you get an answer, it might be at the school, it might be in your work, it might be going to the gym, it might be going to the hospital. If you can then get an answer from that, and then the person... This is, 
What do you want to say? Yeah, you go to school. And, and I always get my sound in phonics. A new sound. A new sound in phonics. There we are. That's great. So your front line is... He's got all the way to the tricky ones. That is really good. Thank you. So, when we say peace be with you, we're going to say peace be with you in your phonics class, okay? Or whatever it is that you've been able to understand that your person's front line is. Peace be with you in the hospital. Peace be with you when you're on the farm. Peace be with you in your home. Peace be with you in the doctor's surgery, wherever you might be. You up for that? So you listen to what the person asks them, what, where's your front line? Listen to what they say and then pray for God's blessing upon them. Then the other person do the same to you. So it'll take a little while, but that's okay. So let's stand together. Think about in a moment where your front line is. What would you be doing or with people tomorrow or the day after? And then the other person is going to say, peace be with you in that place. So in a moment, I just want you to say, peace be with you, okay? So I'll say it first, peace be with you. Thank you, okay. People are going to move to their groups now, and we're going to bless you in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Have a great time in your groups. Thank you. Deb, could you just play a little bit now? That's lovely. They are.
Let's stand up together. We're going to continue to worship the Lord in song. We're going to pray that God's Spirit would permeate every place where we set our feet, every place where we have influence over other people, every place where God calls us to rest and to be still, every place that God calls us to be who we are. We pray, Lord, that your Spirit would come among us, not only ourselves, but in your society, that you would break out among places where we haven't seen the light of your love for years, uh, even decades or centuries. Lord, we pray in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Spirit that you would come among us in this, our generation, and do what you would have us do, and do what you want to do through us. Pray this together as we sing. Spirit, break out. Break our walls down, Lord. Things that separate us. Things that divide us. Break them down, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. erected 
walls and barriers between us and other people. That our hurt has been so great that we've not been able to forgive. That the wounds have been so deep that we want to hide away in our little shells. Lord, we pray that you would begin to crack those things which need to be broken. We pray that your spirit would soften our hearts. We pray that your love may heal and restore those things which have been damaged in our lives. We pray that your spirit would come and bring heaven, a taste of heaven into the places where all hell has broken loose. We pray in our world, Lord, that you would bring something of your peace to the lives of those who are under oppression. The powers of darkness have ruled for too long, and we pray that your light may shine in ways that it's never done before. Spirit, move upon this earth, we pray. Restore your creation. Bring peace where there's conflict. Bring hope where there's despair. Father, we pray that there would be a great and mighty movement of your spirit in our generation. And that you might use us in this, our time, to make that difference. To be the people you've called us to be where we are. Spirit, break out. Break our walls
we pray that as we come to hear your word, so you would open our hearts to that word. That our ears may be ready to receive and that our lives may be ready to respond in the way that you call us to. In Jesus' name. Let's be seated as Anne brings the very words of Jesus spoken to his disciples and spoken now to us. The first reading is from Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, and it's on page 969 of the Church Bibles. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The second reading is Luke 10, verses 1 to 12, and it's on page 1041 of the Church Bibles. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone along the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those who are ill and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So, 
We're in part two of thinking about being whole life disciples. Um, I've been asked to keep this to a certain time. It's going to be quite challenging, actually, because there's so much we could talk about this. I will do my best, Joe. Um, for those of you who didn't hear it last week, I'd really recommend you might want to listen to Dave's talk because it was really good and it really sets the context for what I'm going to talk about. But I'm just going to refer very briefly to one or two of his slides to remind us of what he talked about. And first of all, he talked about this idea of 3D discipleship, three-dimensional discipleship. And last week, Dave talked about how we can be with Jesus, how we can get to know him. And we do that through prayer and worship, through times of silence, through reading the Bible. And as we spend time with Jesus, then we become more like Jesus. You know, we start to, to move inwards um, in our discipleship. And then what we're going to be talking today is the last area, that moving out, living like Jesus on our front line, which we've already talked about very clearly. So, you know, as we've already looked then, we are both gathered and scattered. But, you know, it's a bit different in a way for us from the 72, because they were going to new places, to different villages, with a very specific message to to talk about Jesus. But for most of us, on the whole, we're not going out to new places. We're going out to routine places, regular places, things we do on a daily basis. So what are we doing there? Well, both our readings really give a clear expectation that being church means that we are going to do something when we get there. And if we think about those two readings, in Luke, it was very much that idea about sometimes we're going to be proclaiming the kingdom. We're going to be using words. Sometimes we're going to be showing love or compassion carrying out good works. And sometimes, as it said in Matthew, we're going to be salt and light. And we'll come back to what that means in a minute. I just wonder, does that change your view of your daily work? If instead of just, you know, it's the daily grind, get up, go to work, or whatever it is, actually we're being sent out with a purpose by Jesus. I think that perhaps would give us a different perspective and um, especially if we've got our red dots with us to remind us of that. But you know what? This is, this is carrying on doing exactly what Jesus was already doing, which is why it's about being like him. Now, I remember uh, last week we looked at a verse together. Does anyone remember where it was from? John, yes, very good. Now, young Abby just came up to me, and she's learnt it. Now, I'm not going to test test you or us, but I will just remind you of what it said. Um, when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, "Should we say it together? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus has said, I'm the light of the world. But now in Matthew 5, he said, you go and be light of the world. 
You, my followers, the people who are going to become the church, you are now doing the same as me. You're going out and reflecting me, the light of the world. So it's a very clear message here for us that we are to do what Jesus was doing and what those early followers were told to do. Now Dave also mentioned this verse, that those first disciples, those 12, were ordinary unschooled men. Well, what are we going to make of the 72? They're even more ordinary. They're not even that inner close band of disciples. We don't know the names of a single one of them. They're like you and me, ordinary, everyday followers of Jesus. But he sent them out. And in Matthew 5, he's talking even more broadly. He's talking to the crowds. He's sending them out. I think it's really inescapable that he's speaking to every single person who wants to be his follower, that we must expect to be sent out to display God's kingdom and to be salt and light. Well, what does this mean? It's a bit of a difficult one, that, isn't it? Being salt, particularly when he sort of talks about becoming unsalty, because that can't really happen. One of my favourite Bible writers um, is Paula Gooder, and she's written a brilliant book on the parables. So I got so I got it out and thought, oh, what does Paula say about salt? And she actually says, oh, this is really difficult. <laughs> um, but there is that idea, isn't it, that salt brings flavour. It makes things more interesting. And in an an age before fridges and freezers and vacuum packing, it would have preserved what you wanted to preserve. It would have kept things good and flavoursome and wholesome. And that idea of light, it exposes the darkness, doesn't it? It shines the presence of Jesus into people's lives. And so being salt and light means... Being a positive force where we are, it means showing what it can be like to live the way that God wants us to. It's about showing people that the kingdom is near, that it's different, that it's good. So how do we do that? How do we live like Jesus and be salt and light? We could spend so much time talking about this, couldn't we? There are opportunities, of course, to get involved in what the church does. And there's so much, isn't there, if you look on on, on the website or on the notices, so much that the church is doing, ways of being salt and light. And we're going to hear an example of that later. How can we do it individually on our front lines? Well, um, those of us who um, have been around for a few years, and we did a series on the front lines, Um, We came across this idea, the 6M people, and uh, I've just given you a link there if you want to have a look later because we can't go into this in detail now. But they suggest there are six M's that help us to be salt and light. And again, I'm not going to go into them all in detail. But you can see there, we we can try and model godly character. We can try and act like Jesus. We can try and make good works. We can try and do good things for people. We can minister grace and love and act kindly and compassionately and with grace towards people, forgiving people, as we were talking about. We can seek to mould the culture we're in. We can be a mouthpiece for truth and justice, standing up when we see things that are wrong. And we can be a messenger of the gospel and actually speak out what and who we believe in 
Now you might be thinking, wow, that's a lot. What does that all mean? I don't even know what some of that is. I can't do that. I feel um, I can't do all of those things. Don't panic. If you're feeling like that, we're going to come back to it. But say, if you want to have a look, um, there is lots more about this that you can find out about. So we're called to go out and act like Jesus. I want to talk a little bit about something that might seem slightly different, which is being ambassadors. And this comes from from Paul talking uh, in the uh, second book of Corinthians, where he said, we are Christ's ambassadors. It's as though God was making his appeal through us. And I think it's important to remember that we, the church, we're not taking over from Jesus. Yes, in a way, we're acting for him on earth because he's no longer here physically. But he hasn't resigned. We are there for God, for Christ, to appeal through us. We're representing him, working in partnership. And if you remember in Luke 10, Jesus said, go to the villages where I'm coming. I'm going to follow after you. And I kind of thought about it, really, as... um, sort of preparing people, really, for Jesus. And as I've said, I work in in the Hive Library in Worcester. Just over ten years ago, we knew the Queen was going to come and officially open us. Well, did she just sort of turn up on the day and say, here I am, I declare the library open? No. We were visited for months beforehand. Obviously, a lot of it was to do with security. But a lot of it was just to talk to us, to work out who's going to meet the Queen, Where are we going to be standing? What might she say to us? How do you act? What to expect? We were being prepared to meet the Queen. And it's our job to help to prepare people to meet the King of Kings. How do ambassadors behave? They don't just sort of turn up and make up their own policies and ideas, do they? They represent the country They have to faithfully transmit the message, the policy of their government. But I'm also assuming, and I've never worked as an ambassador, but I'm pretty sure that they would seek to act within the culture where they find themselves. They would act with respect. They would seek to build positive relationships. And I want to just think a little bit about what might that look like for us in building relationships with the people we are seeking to prepare to meet Jesus. Well, we've talked about one of them, haven't we? We've talked about peace, bringing peace. And it seems to me that as well as bringing the peace of God, we should display that in our lives. So speaking with gentleness to people, not being antagonistic, not being overly assertive, not shoving our views down their throats, but acting respectfully listening to people as we talk to them. And that brings me on to my next point, being sensitive, because we don't know when we start talking to somebody or working with somebody what baggage they're bringing from. We don't know, do we, what their experience has been of the church in the past. I'm very aware today would have been my brother's birthday. Um, Unfortunately, I lost him a few years ago. And when I knew he was terminally ill, I really, really wanted to talk to him about faith, 
and how he was feeling. But it was difficult. Um, my brother was gay, and I think because of that, he had a certain perception of the church and how it viewed him. And it made him, if not hostile, a bit wary. And I had to be aware of that when I was speaking to him. Sometimes he would be very happy for me to pray with him. Sometimes he didn't want it. And I had to be sensitive to that. So we, we just don't know, do we? Some people have had a really bad experience in the church. Unfortunately, some people will have been abused. Some people will have had negative experiences. And if we rush in saying the church is wonderful, Christians are wonderful, we could cause enormous hurt and pain. So we just need to be thoughtful and sensitive. We need to be authentic. And I think this is where modelling the character comes in. Because people spot dishonesty, don't they? They spot insincerity. And it will build mistrust. So let's not oversell. Let's not say, if you become a Christian, everything's going to be wonderful. It's not true. If we're asked something and we don't know the answer, let's say so. And say, you know what, not sure about that. Let me think about it. I'll get back to you. Let's be authentic and honest and treat people with respect. And then inclusivity. Jesus didn't say to the 72... When you get to the village, find the most religious person. Go and find the people who already go to the synagogue, because they'll be easier to talk to. Talk to the people who everyone says are really nice. He didn't say that, did he? He said, go to the village. Talk to whoever welcomes you. Go and stay with the people who welcome you. Anyone who wants to hear. And it was so lovely, that little boy came up earlier, and he was included, wasn't he? And he had a part to say. And that's what we need to be. We need to be inclusive. So I want to finish off by thinking a little bit about barriers. This is all very well, this, isn't it, saying, let's be salt and light and go out and talk to people. But let's be honest. Do you feel there are barriers sometimes to you doing that? When you saw that list of six M's, did you cringe internally and think, I can't do that? Do you feel inadequate? I know I do. You know, when I saw the passage was Luke 10, my heart sank because it's a real classic sort of evangelical missionary passage, isn't it? And when the Holy Spirit was handing out gifts to me, evangelism was right down there somewhere. I simply do not have a gift of evangelism. You know, there's some people who seem to have people rushing up to them and asking to be told about their faith. Doesn't happen to me. And I do pray about it. And, you know, I, I can, I can really feel guilty about this. And it's been great preparing this, you know, talk because I thought, should we be worrying about that? And I remembered what Barry talked about on, on New Year's Day when he said, we're not perfect. And that's okay. I was listening. You, see? <laughs> you know, we're not perfect. And that's okay. We're not all evangelists, and that's okay. You know what? I'll tell you a secret. God knows I'm not an evangelist. He knows I'm not perfect. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't look for opportunities. So, in 1 Peter, we've got this lovely verse that says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. Um, 
and do this with gentleness and respect. And sometimes that's not convenient, is it? I can remember one of the fairly rare occasions where I was asked about my faith spontaneously. Um, I, <coughs> excuse me, my work team had gone out for Christmas lunch. And we got to the restaurant and we sat down and we pulled our crackers and we were putting our hats on. And my colleague suddenly turned to me and there's one of those awful lulls in the conversation so the whole table heard. He said, Judith, you're a Christian. What do you think about evolution? (laughs) (coughs) And I thought, and I was thinking for myself, one, what I think about evolution is I don't want to talk about it now. And two, I'm really glad it came up with Turkey. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I did my best and I gave her an answer. But you know what? A few months later, that same colleague went through a really, really unpleasant, distressing divorce. And she came to me several times and asked me to pray with her. And so just maybe that very apparently poorly timed question that I sort of tried to answer had given an opening for that later discussion and prayer. And you know what? There's things we can do together, aren't we? The 72 were sent out as pairs. So I'm not great at evangelism, but I do try and make sure I'm I'm with non-Christians. I joined a book group specifically to do that. And again, this week I was able to pray for somebody going into hospital. Well, you know, maybe if you're not good at talking about faith, invite a non-Christian friend to dinner, but invite along somebody who you know is good at talking about faith. There's ways we can support each other. And so, you know, this is where we came up with this, this, this idea of being who you are. Let's be who we are. We are under construction. But we've each got our set of strengths that we can use in the situation that God has put us in. And you might notice I haven't given many specific examples of how we can be salt and light. And that's because it's going to be different for each one of us. It's going to be different for you in your front line to me on my front line. So for me, I'm a manager, and I kind of feel, okay, I'm not great at evangelizing, and perhaps that's not always suitable at work anyway, but what I can really do is try and shape the culture of my, of my department. I can really try and make it a place where staff feel supported and valued, and that's where I feel my real contribution can be. But that does bring me on to my next point, oh, which I seem to have left out, sorry. Um, <clears throat> which is coping with failure. And I failed to do the slides. So, um, because because um, I've got a colleague who just quite recently in the last few months has made it clear to me that they feel the culture has let them down. And actually this person said to me, you dropped the ball um, in the way I was managing that person. I found that really, really hard. Um, I feel really bad that they feel let down Um, and I feel I've let God down as well that I haven't totally succeeded in creating that culture in the way that I'd wish so what do we do when that happens well I've already said we're not perfect are we so I think hopefully we'd all know what to do I've tried to listen with humility because if I'm honest I feel it's a little bit unfair what they've said I've tried to listen I've acknowledged what they're saying Of course I've apologised to this person and to God. And I said that I really want to try and put things right and rebuild that relationship. But we're going to get things wrong sometimes, aren't we? We are going to get it wrong and and we've got to cope with that. 
And the other thing, of course, is that not everyone is going to respond. Jesus himself was rejected by many, many people. And in fact, just before our reading, in Luke 9, we're told of a village where he wasn't welcomed. And the disciples said, should we call down fire on the village? Jesus said, no, we'll go to another village. They don't want to listen? Okay, we'll go to another village. Accept it, move on. I know that's not always easy, especially if we felt personally attacked or rejected. But ultimately, it's not our mission, it's Jesus's. Even ambassadors get kicked out sometimes, don't they? So I need to wrap up, and there's so much more we could have said, but I do hope that gives us a starting point to think a little bit more about being sent out for Jesus. So just to remind what um, what uh, Dave last week said last week, we have to be with Jesus to be empowered to be sent out. So that's the absolute core of it, isn't it? Building up that relationship with Jesus. We can expect to act for Jesus wherever we are. And really, the really important thing is let's be who we are. Be who you are. Let's do what we can with what we've got wherever we are. And just remember, Jesus will be following close behind. Thank you, Judith, very much indeed. It's, it's such a liberating thing to feel that sense of God's call is to be who we are and who God is calling us to become. Being who we are is becoming like Jesus. We're going to pray now in these next two songs that the Spirit of God would so work in us that we might become more like him and show that compassion and show that love wherever he has sent us. So let's stand together.
that be our prayer for each of us personally but also for us as a church this crucial time lead us where you would have us go we pray Amen
Please do be seated. I want to invite Chris Mesley to come forward because it's such a privilege to see the actions that have taken place over the years that Chris has been heading up Christians Against Poverty and the way that you've led that team into being salt and light where we are. So please do help us to see how that's been happening. Okay, Thank you. And I'm very pleased to be able to invite Nina to join me. And uh, I'll just tell you a little bit about CAP and what we do, just very briefly. And um, Nina's been very brave. She's uh, somebody who CAP has helped in the past. And uh, she's just going to tell us a little bit about what that means for her and and being debt-free. And and then together, I'm going to ask you to make a great big noise uh, as we celebrate together that that Nina and others are debt-free. But we'll... Come to that in a minute. So, uh, so CAP, Christians Against Poverty, it's all about freeing people from the shackles, the weight of debt, which can be so debilitating, can be so depressing, and really do your mental health in as part of uh, coping with it all. As uh, debt counsellors, uh, Denise and I have been able to serve the people of Malvern and now Ledbury as well, and it's a real privilege to be able to get alongside folk uh, and, and help them. We, we stand alongside, and we have an amazing team of befrienders who do that with us. And part of what we're doing today is to appeal to you, would you be a friend to somebody like Nina uh, and, and learn to just support people through their journey out of debt. If that's you, then I'd love you to be able to um, contact Denise, who I'll just introduce you in a minute as well. But um, yeah. But Nina, first of all, thank you for being so brave to come and stand up with us. You're welcome. Um, Nina's been helped by another debt centre rather than ours, but she's moved to be uh, part of us here in this community, and uh, we're so grateful that you've come today and uh, that you're ready to speak. So can I ask you to stand forward a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll ask you the question. So uh, what difference has this all made to you? What's it been like? Well, you touched on it when you said that um, debt really is um, whatever journey we have to get into debt, and it's different from – there's many different journeys to get in debt, but it is the, the effect on your mental health, on your security, on your well-being is enormous – And it it was, to me, um, you don't know where to turn. For me, CAP came into my life. um, And uh, you enter into an agreement with them and a plan. And that becomes your whole focus. Moving forward with CAP, you you undertake actions that you have to do. And it's just, that's your main focus and your goal, to becoming debt-free. And that's been my goal and main focus since um, 2019 when Kat first came in alongside me. Um, so when that finally happens, it, that sense of accomplishment that you feel because you, that goal that you have been set, that has been set out for you, you've, you've reached it, you've attained that goal and with that just comes such an enormous sense of relief, of accomplishment and joy, <laughs> such joy because you're set free, the freedom um, that that then brings you. But um, more than that, the whole process of working with CAP, I found it incredibly humbling as well as empowering 
um, because uh, I was empowered to, to be able to get on with my life to move forward. Um, but it, as I say, very humbled. And CAP, I'm so grateful to them because they didn't just come into my life and help me out of debt. They actually brought me to God. They brought me to a family. Uh, uh, you know, and here I am now. <laughs> so... For us as debt coaches, because the journey is uh, a difficult one often, mm. isn't it? Mm. So, yeah. Denise and Kat, can I just ask you to join me just very briefly as well? So, um, this afternoon at the Unity service, um, Denise, who's taking over as the centre manager for CAP, and Kat, as a brand new debt coach, going to be part of our team um, and going to be uh, commissioned this afternoon. So, if you're able to come join us at the Baptist Church at 4 o'clock, that would be fantastic. tried to do in the past is when somebody goes debt free is we tell our community about it and we do that by ringing the bell now we've got one or two technical problems with ringing the bell this morning <laughs> so Roger and uh, Chris are going to have a go at doing that for us but we need some support from you as well so as the bell starts <laughs> please would you make as much noise as possible we need to declare Nina is debt free. Greetings for all saints. I managed to get away in time to get to the end here, which I'm really glad I did, because actually, um, as well as commissioning Denise and Kat this afternoon, we are saying thank you to this man. And it was four years ago when actually I, we both stood here at the Unity Service, which was held here, and we commissioned you, Chris. And I remember... I think it was five years ago that we were up here giving a presentation to PCC about what CAP might look like here. Um, and it's just been amazing to see God's hand on that throughout. And one of my prayers when we... Um, actually, the, the really interesting story is, when I was, when I was um, training at Trinity Bristol, I did a placement. And my placement was with CAP at a church called Christ Church Downend, where there was a vicar there called Joe Vickery. <laughs> and it's really interesting, isn't it? You know, what a, what a, and that was, you know, that was part of the journey for me to, for me to come and say, actually, let's get Cap going again here. It was actually seeing Cap in your church working so brilliantly. Hasn't God got a great sense of humour? <laughs> Um, but my prayer when we started CAT was not only that we would be able to bless the community and see lives transformed, but that we would be changed because of being involved and having the privilege of being part in that ministry. And that actually God would reshape us 
because of that. And I think that's what I've seen, particularly in the last four years. I've seen us as a church ask questions which we need to ask about how accessible are we to everybody. About, uh, and I've seen, I've seen um, befrienders, I've seen befrienders step out and see God's provision and grow in their faith. And we we're talking about discipleship last week and this week. You know, how we often most grow as disciples is when we step out and take risks for God. And this has given us a vehicle to do that. So we have been blessed so much by CAP, as well as knowing that we have been a blessing in our community and seeing lives transformed. And I want to just thank Chris on behalf of all of us. You know, Chris was was so the man for the job at that moment to come in and set this up. And, and this ministry is really tough, and that's why we need to pray for these guys, because they are journeying with people in really difficult situations. Emotionally, that is really, really hard spiritually you know they're trying to do that stuff as well you know they need our prayers and um and i know chris has you know so faithfully served in this and denise and it's lovely to see denise stepping up so i want to say chris thank you so much we are going to give you a little presentation at the unity service but you didn't hear that um later (laughs) so there is a gift coming but we're going to do it there but i wanted publicly to acknowledge that here at st andrews on our behalf to say thank you for all that you have done. So shall we just give him and God a round of applause? Do you guys want to just lay hands on him as well, just as a way of just thanking God and, you know, dedicated, dedicating him in this new season to whatever God has ahead. So Lord, we thank you for Chris and for the way he has set up and led Cap Mulvan here uh, so brilliantly and um, in a way which you've been right at the centre. I just thank you for where he's given out so much and for the lives that have been changed because of his faithfulness. And as he um, steps back now and as Denise and Cap step forwards, Would you re-energise him? Would you just pour into him all that he's given out over the last few years? Would you equip him for whatever is next um, for him in this place? But may he know as he finishes this that he has been faithful to your calling and that you are so pleased with him. And for Ali too, where she's been a support, we bless them both Mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue now in prayer as Nigel comes to lead us in our intercessions as we close our our service with prayer and then a final hymn saying, yes, Lord, be at the center of all that we're about. Let's hold all these things to God as Nigel brings us to him in prayer. As we pray, we'll uh, use our usual refrain at the end of each section of prayers. So I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and you will say, And let us say it together in faith and confidence that our God will hear and act. And then at the end, we'll then uh, say the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the church here at St. Andrews. 
We thank you for the faithful leadership that you have given us, in particular for Dave and for Liz and for Helen and also for all the other leaders of all the different groups. And we thank you, Lord, that you will be with them in the coming months as they have to make important and sometimes difficult decisions as we seek to show the love of Christ to those in the local community. We thank you, Lord, for the amazing stories that we're hearing amongst the children and the youth. They're so important to us, Lord. And we ask that you will be with their leaders as they seek to model Christ in their, day, in their weekly teaching. And we ask, Lord, that all of these precious lives that we have amongst us, that they will learn what it is to joyfully follow Jesus. We pray especially at this time for all the members of chaos. We ask that they would flourish in their faith, Lord, and flourish in their fellowship, particularly, Lord, as they welcome new people in from Colwell. And we ask, Lord, that whether they're going to be with us for years or whether they're preparing to go to further education in the coming months, we ask that you would raise up true spiritual leaders amongst them, that they can then go out into their schools and out into uh, maybe the Christian unions at university and be salt and light to all that they meet. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for our local schools at this time. We ask, Lord, that you would protect them from all of the viruses that are circulating at this time, that they may be strong in health and that their education would not be in any way disrupted. We pray that all the children in our schools will grow in wisdom, will grow in ability, in confidence and in true happiness. We ask, Lord, especially for the, church, for the schools that are linked to this church, the Wells, the Witch, and Morven Parish. We ask for the leadership of those schools, particularly the head teachers, that they will have a vision for the school that embraces the values and teaching of Jesus Christ. We pray, too, for those schools imminently expecting inspection, and we ask that they would be able to complete all of the preparation necessary and that the clear strengths of the schools will be seen and recognised. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As we approach a week of prayer for Christian unity, let us pray for this now. Father, we ask that you would bring unity both in the churches in Malvern and right across this country and, in fact, the world. We're aware of some of the problems that have been debated in the wider church in recent weeks and months. And we ask, Lord, that love would be the guiding principle of the hearts of all those who are involved in dialogue and praying together. 
Lord, let your church show and model how love can overcome disagreements and uncertainty about the way forward. We thank you, Lord, for the unity service this afternoon, Lord, and for the marvellous work of CAP. Father, we thank you for Nina's amazing story, and we rejoice with her for what you have done. And we pray that her future and the future of other CAP clients will be full of peace and joy in you. We ask, Lord, that you would anoint Denise and Kat for their work as manager and debt coach. Give them wisdom and stamina as they deal with the great demand for help from the wider community and help them to find rest in the promise that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we again thank you, Lord, for all of the people and particularly for Chris uh, for the work that uh, they are doing and have done over the years. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us now pray for those who are in great difficulty, um, whether that's uh, through um, enforced absence by war, suffering with illness or bereavement, or dealing with particularly difficult relationships. So let us pray silently for these friends that the Lord will heal, strengthen and comfort them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us now finish by saying together the prayer Jesus taught his followers to say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you. Let's stand together to sing our final hymn which is a prayer that that Christ would be at the centre of all that we're about and would motivate us and equip us as we go out as his disciples.
disciples, O God, be set on fire with your love, be strengthened by your power, be inspired by your spirit, be filled with your peace, and be bursting with your joy. And may they go into every part of your world to be all whom you have made them to become, like Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And the blessing of this God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you now and always. Amen. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. There's coffee in the hall and there's prayer if you'd like to receive that at the front. <laughs>